We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I am Ben. And tonight we are looking at the TV movie The Quester Tapes by Gene Roddenberry and Gene L. Kuhn. A team of scientists led by Jerry Robinson are building an android, but they don't actually know what they're doing. They are following the detailed plans provided by Dr. Vaslovic, a multiple Nobel Prize winning scientist and mentor of Jerry Robinson. Vaslovic hasn't been seen in over three years. Against Robinson's wishes, the multinational team has attempted to decode the encrypted programming provided by Vaslovic, accidentally erasing parts in the process. When the load fails and the android dies on the table, the team leave for the night, dejected. After they leave, the android comes to life and begins constructing his own face. Administrator Darrow of the project doesn't trust Jerry Robinson. He's got too high of an IQ, and you can't trust people like that. They're always thinking about things. He thinks maybe Robinson and Vaslovic somehow caused the project to fail. Robinson is locked in his room by Darrow's guards. Once the android has created his face and body identity, he proceeds to the Vaslovic archives, where he attempts to locate Vaslovic. Unable to find him in the archive, he breaks into Jerry Robinson's room to ask for help. Reed kidnaps him. Questor, as the android has named himself, knows he must find his creator. But with his programming incomplete, he lacks emotions or an understanding of his purpose in life but he knows there's a clue in England. He releases Robinson at the airport because, although logical to kill him to prevent him from revealing info about the android, he cannot do so. Robinson decides to help him go to London because he's never built something that asked him for help before. In London, Quester and Robinson first go to a gambling establishment. Quester wants to watch humans mating. Jerry suggests they concentrate on gambling and winning money. Quester is capable of throwing any craps die combination that he wants, so they clean up, even when the house tries to cheat them. The next day, they travel to a vaguely European house set in the Los Angeles foothills that's supposed to fool us that they're still in England. They meet a high-class courtesan, Lady Helena, who Quester believes has information about Vlaslovic. He suggests that Robinson mate with her in an attempt to gain information. Quester, or is it Roddenberry, seems a bit fixated on the mating thing. Even though Robinson is attracted to her, he's just too much of a gentleman, and he fails to score. The next morning, it appears Quester has betted her instead. He didn't. That was just a psych-out for the audience to think about the future of sex toys, but he could have if he'd wanted to, because he is fully functional. Lady Helena has shown Quester Veslovic's secret a spy room where he can monitor everything in the world. This could surely be used for evil, so Robinson calls Darrow to turn Quester in. Vaslovic is some sort of international 
information spy and quester must be built for evil purposes. Robinson, of course, realizes it can't be true because Quester is just too nice of a guy to be evil. As emotionless androids go, but it's too late. Quester is shot and dies, but Robinson cuts a deal with Darrow, and with Quester's help, who's only mostly dead, fixes Quester. Quester has been programmed to explode in a nuclear explosion if he doesn't find Voslovic soon. Darrow lets them go, but tracks them. They go to Mount Ararat, where they find Vlaslovic immobilized. He, too, is an android, one of a long line that has been watching over mankind for 200 millennia. Vlaslovic is dying, and Questor was built as his replacement. They have been protecting mankind throughout all history. Darrow hears it all and decides to save Quester's life to help mankind's future and, and also to kill himself in the process because he doesn't want to live in a world that's been curated by androids. With his programming incomplete, Quester must save the world without emotions or a proper understanding of the world, and Jerry Robinson must help him in case he needs an oil change. So Gene Roddenberry's um, <clears throat> next attempt... I'm not sure the order they go in, but another Gene Roddenberry attempt to coming up with a series that poses important questions about what is humanity? Um, what is man's place in the world? So, um, what did you think of Quester tapes? Terribly dated, and yet I found myself thoroughly enjoying this. I mean, even though, okay, I've, as I've, I don't know if I, if I've said it, uh, on the show, I know that I've mentioned it to you uh, personally, but I'd never seen Quester tapes before. I'd heard about it. Um, I know there's a, a novelization out for it. And I know that when Next Generation was sort of on its uh, pre-premiere tour at the convention circuit, Major Barrett was going around and she was you know, doing a slideshow and introducing all the characters. And she would then show Data and she clearly said, said Data is Quester. Mm-hmm. So a man cannot let an idea go, can he? No, he can't. No, especially if he feels it's a good one that needs exploring. Mm-hmm. So you know, I and, and I realize there, there's two arguments to that. One argument could be that he just cannot come up with an original idea, um, or it could be that he has he thinks he's got a really great idea, but for some reason he can't seem to sell it. So until he finds the perfect medium for by which he can sell it. I'm not sure which is which. I mean, the cynical side of me wants to say he just can't, you know, he, he couldn't think of a, another good idea. Um, but in any case, I was very familiar with Quester tapes without ever having watched it until uh, we needed to before this this conversation. Uh-huh. So having said all of that, I really enjoyed it. But I, you know, the, as I was saying this, I think the reason I enjoy it, enjoyed it is one part story, two part, you know, or, or two parts, um, the cast. It is a, it is a pretty good cast. I mean, obviously, Major Barrett's in it. <laughs> but just uh, a little tiny part. Just a little part, but I mean, you have to do that. That way you get some more money in the household. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, B.J. Honeycutt is quite good as um, ah. Jerry Robinson. 
can't think of his name off the top of my head, um, but B.J. Honeycutt. Mike Farrell. Mike Farrell. There we go. And uh, and and Robert Foxworth is is suitably androidy enough mm-hmm. in, in his in his performance. And I've always liked the guy who played. And I can't think of his name either off the top Robert, of my head. Robert Foxworth. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Darrow, who played Darrow. Oh, oh, gosh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Character I, actor. I just can't yeah. remember his name off the top of my head. Yeah, um, he's he's pretty good as the guy who. Uh, I mean, I can't say his motivations are 100% great, but uh, he's always a pretty nasty guy. And at the same time, he doesn't come off as a fool. So, No, especially uh, the way he allows himself to be, well, I guess you could say sacrificed. Yeah, I want to talk about that at the end because that part does, that ending does kind of um, freak me out. But uh, before we, we crack into it, I just want to, uh, one other, right? Robert Foxworth as Quester is Data Mark Zero. I Pretty mean, much, they yeah. They even get similar lines. Yes, they, oh, absolutely. I am fully functional. I mean, it, fully functional. And it, yeah, I mean, I was expecting him to say in multiple techniques. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's, that's the uh, beauty of time to think about it. Oh, I should have added that line. Well, he probably couldn't have gotten away with it. Well, that's true. I mean, he couldn't get away with calling her a whore either. He had to call her a right. courtesan. Uh, <laughs> oh, times have changed. Um, mm-hmm. Well, no, also, a, a, a courtesan lives in that kind of a home. A whore, she works on Van Buren Street here in Phoenix. Yeah. High price call girl, then. Uh, you know, it's, it's it, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's it's all the same profession. It's just a different clientele. Um, but anyhow, uh this is also a Simon Earth from Star Trek. This is Gary Seven. Huh. I hadn't really considered that one, but yeah. Yeah, Gary Seven was a he was more Vulcan like than Android. Well, it's the mission. Yeah. You know, mankind needs help to get through their childhood. But you're right. It, there, there's a, yeah, the the whole concept of mankind needs help because we're self destructive. Um so some yeah. alien has put something on our planet to look after us that must stay behind the scenes, must do its its business. It's it's a common thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this one up because I've I've never gotten the chance to, and we've, we'll never talk about Star Trek on the show. So at least not at, at great length. I always found that episode of Star Trek fascinating. Assignment Earth. Yes, and here's why. The whole thing, and, and I'm not going to get into the it's it's good, it's bad, but the whole thing about the Federation is that we have gone out into the stars and we've realized that we'll screw stuff up if we don't create the prime directive and, and you know, keep our hands clean and, and stay out of their business. Okay, that's fine. Right? You know, I'll take that premise. I We've had this argument, but mm-hmm. I'll take that premise. I know where then you're going turn, with this. They turn around with Assignment Earth and Roddenberry was trying to set up a pilot for a show that says, well, mankind can't go out and do that, but aliens, okay, because otherwise man would have died. And, and they explicitly state that. We always wondered how mankind made it through this terrible period. Now we know. A super intelligent alien race was looking out for us and helping us. In exact opposite of the prime directive. But that's okay, because they're smart aliens and we're stupid humans. I, I've always 
that I I never could understand how he could flip on a dime like that and say, I'm, well, here's my they, other show. Uh, it's the unfortunately, opposite. Unfortunately, there's a, you know, and, and he, yeah, I don't want to dwell too much yeah. on, the, on the whole Star Trek Prime Directive issue. But uh, for what it's worth, there has been large inconsistency as to what the letter of the law oh, yeah. versus the spirit of the law of the Prime Directive really is. Um, I mean, like I just – in the, 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 the pilot for Star Trek Discovery, they clearly violated the Prime Directive but they were trying by, to by digging wells, but trying to do it unobserved. Right. And, and, and it's just, you know – but they knew they were violating it. But you know, with the premise of Gary Seven, with the premise of Quester, which we're getting back to, it's about mankind really needed help. And kindly aliens did it. And they didn't screw us up. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. There, there is something a little, a little irritating on that because uh, I have um, a, in my possession a series of recordings that Gene did when he was doing university tours. Okay. Uh, uh, short, you know, not. I don't know if this is around the same time as Quester. In fact, I think actually Quester is mentioned at one point. Um, but I remember also he talked about how he didn't believe aliens built the pyramids. He says very, very smart people built right. the pyramids. And at this time, I hear Gene just really wax on about the potential of humanity. Okay, that is all great and good. I love that idea. But yeah, to then turn it on its head and then to throw in this other weird element that we can't survive, we're incapable of surviving unless we have some kind of help. Again, I find it a fascinating one. Um, I'm a little irked by it, but at the same time, oddly fascinated. Only Maybe it's because we live in such perilous times right now that part of me thinks, gee, I would love it if we had some kind of extraterrestrial you know, help looking after us because uh, right now we're really making a mucky mess out of things. Independence Day would actually be a welcomed invasion. <laughs> uh, first thing to go? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, I won't argue with that one. Um, but yeah, so there, there is something very odd about Roddenberry flipping on his philosophy like that. It, it makes it hard to know where, where his – where his values really, truly stand on that, uh, you know, but it, it comes off as wishy-washy yeah, a little bit. You know, well, you know, we had this little talk with Spectre, too. I mean, here's one where a man who is known for basically presenting a rationalist, skeptical um, ideal, at least for the most part uh, in his writing, then turns around and makes demons are real and the supernatural real. Yeah. So, I mean, there is, there is that, you know, I mean... I guess we could say, well, he can break out of his genre and he can go different directions, and that's and that's cool. And I, I'm fine with it as a premise of the story. It's just kind of, to me, just kind of funny that 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 comes out of the same man, and, and even coexists in that one episode of Star Trek where you know they're kind of uh, button up at odds at each other, setting one up mm-hmm. for the other. So and and right. it would be and and yeah, I, I would maybe I wouldn't be so. Uh, so uh, weirded out by it if uh, Roddenberry hadn't been so um, dogmatic about the Prime Directive. And I'm not just talking about the – I mean not just within Star Trek, but I mean I've even heard you know, tales in the writing room about how he was just so dictatorial about what his ideas of non-interference are supposed to mean. And yet you know, as we look, we know with the Simon Earth, with the Quester tapes – uh, there's with these two examples. There's there is clearly interference going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, but, and again, this is not a pick on Gene Roddenberry. I mean, he had, he had his, I guess when he said his vision, he had his vision and it would, and he would hold it. I mean, the one that still amazes me to this day is that they were required to shave William Shatner's chest hair. Oh, yes. Because men of the future would be less hairy. (laughs) Like. Okay. I, 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 okay. To be honest, it's a detail I detail that I never, never really occurred to me. I, I didn't just know assumed, that. I just assumed William Shatner, you know, had no hair in his chest. I mean, when I was a kid watching Star Trek, I had no hair on my chest, so it never, never crossed my mind. And it's how old were you? When I was a kid. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right. But I'm, you know, I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't looking at it thinking, that's weird. He has no hair in his chest. Because you just accepted it. I do. Well, then I'm also I'm partially as as are you. Maybe more so. Probably more so than me. Native American, and certainly uh, many of them are less hairy on the chest yeah. area. I mean, it's you know, there's a whole range of the human uh, condition there. And uh, uh, anyway, so while we're talking about it being a little irksome, then let's just go ahead and skip straight to Darrow. Um, I, I I don't know what Roddenberry was trying to tell me. In that final scene, Daryl obviously stands up to help the earth. He, 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 he's a cynic. He's a distrusting man and he's fearful of Quester. Mm -hmm. And when he finds out what Quester is doing, and, and we see evidence earlier in the show that he is concerned about what Quester can be when he's questioning him to see whether or not he thinks he's I don't want to say thinks he's human, but, you know, how he responds to questioning. You can tell Darrow has a deep distrust for what that android can become. And, you know, fits with uh, fits with fears of AI taking over the world and Terminator and all those things. So, you know, not a, not a groundbreaking approach in science fiction, just, a, you know, a fair one. Some people would be thinking that way. He finds out what Quester is really there for. And he commits suicide to provide Quester an out so that he can carry out his mission. So if we want to say anything, Darrow proved Quester's premise about human beings, which uh, was, you know, there's much to criticize about mankind, but there's even more to admire. Even Darrow has it in him. He steps up to save, to help the world. But at the same time, he feels he has to kill himself to do it. And he even says that. I mean, it's one thing if he did it in a self-sacrificing phase. But he says, maybe I don't want to live in a world. Right. That's He doesn't want to be taken care of. Yeah. Is he telling the truth or is he trying to make an excuse? Oh, don't worry about it. I don't want to be in this world anyway. I, it, it felt like a little bit of both. It did feel I, like I, it was partially true. Yeah, it felt like it was partially true, which might explain why, I mean, he acknowledged the fact that, okay, this is Quester's mission. Um, maybe if I were being more, um, oh, more steadfast in my opinion, maybe I would resist it. But this is his, this is his mission. But, ew, it's a disgusting one. I don't like this. So maybe, maybe he realizes that it's necessary, but he just has no wish to be a part of it anyway. Is it is – it- a manifestation of what could go wrong with a prime directive or without a prime directive because here someone his whole culture his whole world has been turned on its edge 
right. on its end. You know, he even says, you know, I've always could not figure out how mankind survived this long, and now I know everything he, he hates about it. the world is turned on its edge, and you know, th- this, this causes him to create uh, to commit suicide. Self-destruction, which, which is, is the whole point of the Prime Directive, to prevent a yeah. society from self-destructing of the knowledge of mankind. So, Oh, God, mm. what a parable for the Garden of Eden. <laughs> really, you know, to be honest, I, I never, never, ever, ever took uh, the idea of the Prime Directive and that, that interference um, – as such a parable to the prime directive, you know, or to, to the, the book of Genesis until the way you just said it. And uh, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. It's been a very, very long time. Okay. I'm going to say since I've read the Bible cover to cover a very, very long time. Well, a, you, a good 35 years, but one even of the you interpretations, just, you know, just look at Genesis, you know, yeah, and yeah, there yeah. it is. One of the interpretations that I hear, and I don't remember whether it's a literal interpretation or whether it's a, or whether it's a, a, a post hoc interpretation, is that the apple was the fruit of knowledge. Is that is that literal? That's correct. That's literal. Uh, well, it's never said in the. Uh, if you're talking King James, it's never stated that it is an apple. It's oh, the just fruit. simply, but it's the fruit from uh, the uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the only reason it Good got assigned okay. to be the apple is because it's red. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and I was going for it. It's, it's, it's knowledge, but it's knowledge of good and evil, which yeah. that's not quite the same as, you know, I come down to your planet and I reveal to you that the world's bigger and that there's physics and stuff. That's not really, not, that's, you know, that's just, that's just a huge influx of all kinds of knowledge. But, but yeah, I, you know, I, I hadn't put that either. But yeah, I can, I can, I can totally see that, and it doesn't surprise me because that's exactly the kind of thing that Roddenberry would do. That that's, oh, and he has done. We saw it in the in the uh, classic episode, The Apple. I mean, and if there was if there was any more blatant uh, statement about the Prime Directive, about interfering with a society, uh, you know, kicking them out of the Garden of Good and, of Good and Evil. Or kick it, kick him out of the Garden of Eden, um, man. That that episode was it. It's totally an atheist thing to do. I mean, I'm not saying it's not, but I mean, using Bible parables uh, as as story ideas is is totally uh, one of those things that that they like to do. <laughs> it's like, mm. So I can see that. I can see it being intentional, not just you know, not just well, we can spot this. I could actually see Roddenberry actually thinking about it. So could could be. Could be right or wrong, but I, I yeah, I, that that kind of bugs me at the end. That that really kind of bugs me at the end because that's that takes the character just beyond my ability to uh, have empathy with him, if if that's the right word. I can no longer understand his motivations. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see that. It's like, wait, there are like aliens and androids. I can't cool. live in a world. But you know the reason I thought that is, um, yeah, I, you and I, I know you and I would just completely jazz over it. But uh, there was uh, there there are a couple of properties where we've seen that kind of idea manifested. Um, one of them is Carl Sagan's Contact, although that one was given a slightly different interpretation. Uh, but another one that is oddly enough more in line with that 
is the next gen episode first contact not uh, not right. to be That's confused the with the movie the planet uh, they right. accidentally get exposed and they get they exposed and and they suppress it because apparently there's an uber conservative element that lives on the planet that is terrified of the idea of extraterrestrial life it it just it scares them to no end as to what what kind of world will 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 we become if we allow this kind of thing to infect it okay okay so so this is the this is what I was trying to get at, and I, and I, I probably didn't express it right, or, or, or I did. On that first contact episode, mm-hmm. I would not think like the minister, but I understand his thinking. I, I can look at it and I can go, "All right." Oh, I afraid. understand it too. I, he's afraid. He yeah. he wants to get it out of here. He wants to suppress it. He wants to do whatever he asks you to get rid of this, so that it doesn't screw up his world. Right. Okay. That I can understand, and and yeah, you know, I even don't the get, worst I, Bond villain. But with with Darrow, I no, cannot he, no, get, I can't I get choose him. to kill myself. Yeah. The only thing, the only thing that validates the idea of him choosing to kill himself is if he knows it's doing he, by doing this, it is helping Quester. Right. And so that's he that he can't be doing it entirely for selfish reasons. Uh, I mean, do I believe he's being sincere when he talks about he hates the idea of being taken care of? Yes, but I think that helps him make that decision uh, with greater ease in terms of, yeah, I, I accept the fact that all you androids have been here to save our lives. I hate it. I don't want to be any part of it. I mean, it's it, it still comes off as terribly irrational. Does it, does it take back control of his destiny so here suddenly he finds out mankind's destiny has been the androids now he is saving the androids and therefore he is part of the destiny of saving mankind he is he has taken it in his own hand wow that is that is that is deep but um cold medicine i'm telling you (laughs) it maybe it is um but i would say that's a really fascinating concept I, i admit that i had not considered that idea but and, and and to be honest, I don't think that's what was going on there. But and that's because Roddenberry wrote it. Well, however, Gene Kuhn was part of it. Well, that's true. And Gene Kuhn might have actually thought of that because that that would kind of go along what he would he would do. Uh, that's because that's a very very deep layer. I mean, that's that's some amazing subtext. So it's possible. Um, if that if it were done today. I could I could put some uh, some stock into that. At that time, man, that that's a that's a that's a really good question. If that was actually the intent. Now I, you know, of all the stuff that Roddenberry has done, Spectre and Quester tapes and and Earth, New Genesis Earth Two, whichever they are, I can never remember which ones it is. I never Simon remember. Um, the Quester tapes is the one I would have liked to have seen developed into, into a series. Show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, uh, you know, they can't do it now because of Star Trek The Next Generation. Right. I, I think they've, they've you know, beat Data to death, and no pun intended. And, you know, I'd hate to think people, well, this is very derivative. It's like, well, no, but, you know, it, it's a, it, it would be, I think we've explored everything that an android can possibly do. I'm going to have a pet cat. Um, I'm going to try shaving. Um, I'm going <laughs> to... Uh, I think we will try having an, a romantic relationship with someone, mm-hmm. you know, go through the, the list of stuff. But I think it would have been an interesting 
uh, an interesting story, probably along the lines of the Incredible Hulk or the Fugitive. Well, to travel in the around, case, kind of on yeah, the run. in the case of Data, I mean, his quest, you know, oh. part, you know, I hate, I, I hate to use that word, huh? but his quest was to um, just to understand what it meant to be human. With Quester, it was more than that. So he 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 was definitely on a mission that was greater than himself. So I think that would have been actually a more compelling story. Do, do you think it's kind of interesting here that there are two storylines here? There is the Assignment Earth storyline, and there is the Mr. Data storyline. There is the Save the Earth, Learn to Be Human. They've, they've actually set both of these up as two... One is a complication to the other in this particular case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he's – obviously that doesn't fit with Next Generation. So we've just pulled the the Android emotion uh, piece out of it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would have liked to have seen it. it you know, maybe, maybe they could do it. It's, this would be a show that they could try um, if they're desperate for ideas. But um, – and, and they're always desperate for ideas because they're remaking everything. But I, I, I don't mean it in that way. I mean, this is one that, to me, had, if it were handled well, could have legs. It could go horribly wrong like the Star Lost very quickly. But it it could work, right? It's got a premise that could... I thought it did. Kind of hold up. So I thought it did, but it would need um, Mike Farrell to sort of work as a counterbalance to uh, to Quester. Uh, and then, you know, the whole... The, the, then uh, Mike Farrell's character would then be the personification of humanity uh, and uh, Quester would be... I think he would be sort of like the judge and jury passing, you know, passing some kind of... some, some, some kind of judgment uh, or an indictment against humanity in every single episode. Yeah, could but be. you but you need that human personification there. He's Jordy. It could be Jordy. It could be a combination of Jordy and Picard. Because yeah, Picard I, I was always Jerry was set up as as being quite the paragon that. No, because I mean Jordy was simply there to be you know to be the friend, but it was Picard who was the ideal. He, he was the he, yeah he was the ideal on what it meant to be human. So I think Farrell's character would have been that. He sort of would have served that role, not quite as, um, not quite as British, <laughs> you know, or as Shakespearean, uh, but still he would have been the one to do it. And I had read that uh, one of the biggest problems uh, when they wanted, when they were looking at doing the series, is that I guess they didn't want Farrell. Ah, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm. I'm one of those people that I am willing to entertain the notion of recasting. I mean, after this many years, if you wanted to do the show, I'm sure there are some actors that could do the job. Oh, and they, they've, they've done it. Them, but, you know. They, they did it with the $6 million man. I mean, granted, Dr. Rudy Wells was not exactly a major, 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 major character, but they right. did it with him twice. Right. Right. And, yeah. But, uh, you know, I... I Star Trek. I'm, I'm okay with him recasting Kirk and Spock. I mean, there's just no option, right? You just couldn't, you couldn't, you know, there's a point where you just can't recast them once they're dead or right. 80 but years we're old. Talking, so. We're talking pilot to series. Yeah, oh, yeah how I, hard would it have been well, to recast the part uh, uh, that, that Farrell played? 
It wouldn't have been. Yeah, they could have gotten Alan Alda. Ooh. That would have been that would have been interesting. There would have been a bizarre irony to that. I ah nah, that one makes my head hurt. I don't think you could do it. Okay. So let's let's pull up a few more Roddenberry tropes while we're we're on Oh fun. We're on the Roddenberry train here. Um I I I also have heard some of these recordings that you are referring to about his college circuit tour. In fact, he has an album out, one of some of them, um, that, that you can get that's still in publication. I think it's in yeah. iTunes, uh, which has some of those, mm-hmm. uh, components in it. Um, one of the things that Roddenberry kind of bangs on about was that Eugene Wesley Roddenberry, uh, was just such a smart kid. That nobody, you know, took him seriously. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but you know, they didn't want to listen to him. They didn't take him seriously. They didn't do his thing. And you know, he likes to manifest that in, in things he says, uh, like they didn't like my Star Trek script because it was too cerebral, which turns out is not a true statement. They didn't like it because he did stuff that they told him not to do and he did it anyway. Um, but, he, I mean, they gave him another shot at it. So, you know, that that tells you that they, they did actually really like the original pilot. They just felt they couldn't make out of it. But Wesley Crusher is the personification of Gene Roddenberry as a kid. See, I'm so smart. Right. And people don't take me seriously. And we need to grow into that thing. And, oh, they didn't understand Star Trek. They said it was too cerebral. You people are too stupid to listen to this stuff, but I think you aren't stupid. He's got that going, and and I I get that. Um, And then here we have Jerry Robinson. Your IQ is bigger than all these people. I don't trust you. Like, Mm. really? You're the head of an international team trying to do a super advanced research project, and the guy you don't trust... And the reason you don't trust him is because he's because the he's smartest smart. guy on the team. Yeah. That's the dumbest thing I've heard. It's t- yeah, it's pretty weak. And you know, but we do now live in an anti-intellectual age. We always, to some degree, have lived in an anti-intellectual yeah, age. Yeah, but that, but the way it is presented there in that kind of scenario, I don't know. It felt, uh, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. We, we do. In. Well, it 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 didn't feel genuine, to be honest, uh, and and that's a very strange thing for me to say, because I can't think of any other way to put it. But yeah, you're right. We we do live in this this anti-education, anti-enlightenment sort of uh, world right now, and yet I have a hard time accepting that anybody in a position that um that that this guy's in what's his name um Darryl. shoot I want Daryl that that whatever. Anybody who was in the position that Darrow was in, I have a very hard time accepting that they would actually say something like that, unless, of course, you know they well they 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 paid their way in. Uh, but I I would just assume I mean that Darrow got in there because of his smarts for one. He so got for him, in there because of his uh, his association with Vaslovic. So he'd been Vaslovic had been his mentor. And when Veslovic approached this project, uh, my understanding is that Robinson was part of the deal. So right, but that's my, a good my, my reason not is, to like him. Well, true, but my, my point is, is that I would still think that Veslovic would not have approached him if he didn't think that there was some kind of intellectual potential there. 
is it is it partially because Vaslovic is a Russian name? Well, I wasn't going to go down that road. Cold War. Yeah. A little Cold War. Um, you know, we got this Russian scientist that has trained this super smart guy. And, and let's face it, the smart guys were the ones that were sitting around universities banging on about communism during the Russian Revolution. Uh, you know, the, it, there is a there is a precedent to some of this um perhaps paranoia i'm not i'm not saying but you know the way he says it to robinson about your intelligence being too high could almost come off as it's a fake but there's another scene earlier when he's pulling the files where there's some brief mention of it that you know that's a that's an issue that so it's you know it's not him just saying it to robinson it's him he actually believes that that is the problem that Mm -hmm. that the guy's too smart to be trusted and yeah i i i i a don't like that and b i'm not sure that it doesn't just further the the paranoia in the audience Potentially, we said, well, you know, in the end, Darrow turned out he wasn't entirely wrong. So, um, so that's um, that's one. Another thing, uh, your androids are supposed to just kind of be guiding from behind and you know pushing a little thing here and pushing a little thing, but never interfering. How the heck right. did Slovak get multiple Nobel prizes? Camouflage. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, well, that's, that's fairly prominent. Well, yeah, that's that that kind of comes off as he's really he's really crossing that boundary. He or he's he's at at best he's blurring the lines. It was and that's how it seems to me. So, yeah, that was one. And um okay. Kolchak music. The opening of the show. Gil Millay, who did the music reused the Kolchak theme. No kidding. Yeah. As they're walking into the laboratory and Darrow is putting on his lab coat, they are absolutely playing. It's not even a re, you know, a re-recording. It's it is music from the Kolchak soundtrack. I didn't catch that. I'll have to look for that again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally as he's walking in and putting on his uniform. It's, it, it or his his uh, jammies. <laughs> he's far out it, it, doing that. And this did come afterwards. So yeah, Gil Malay decided, yeah, why not? Nobody's gonna see Kolchak again. <laughs> um let's see i'm gonna i'm I'm skipping over the 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 last one um love that empty plane to london yeah that was nice joy of that flight i mean i would welcome there's such misery now and that was just like wow that plane is so big and so empty i have been on i've been on flights Within the last 20 years, where – oh, no longer than that, more like 25, where, yeah, it's been that empty. But, boy, not not in the last four years. I think, no. I think I was on one flight once back from Taipei where the plane might have been 30 percent full. That's always nice. That was a joy. You know, people would just get up and move around and take a whole row and lift up the seats and lie down. And it was, it was, you know, it was wonderful. I went mm-hmm. over to the emergency exit where you've got, you know, six foot in front of the seat. And oh, yeah. Laid down. You can really stretch out. 
stewardesses kept coming over and asking me if I wanted to move to a different seat. I'm like, no, are you kidding? You could have this whole row. I said, I've got a whole row, but you know, this eye, it's like, look at my legs. Look at me. <laughs> it's like, I'll never get this much leg room in a plane again. Never. Anyway. Um, I liked the line when he was trying to convince uh, Lady Helena to help him out. And, of course, she's looking for money, or specie, as he keeps referring to it. Um, you'd think Jerry would correct him on that one. It's like, ah, nobody calls it that. I mean, yeah, it's right, but... But no one says it's that. But he says, uh, until recently, uh, I did not know that I had a commodity that I have to offer. My friendship. I, I, I don't know why, but I just, I really enjoyed that line. I did, too. I, I I felt like I liked it. I thought the I did. glimmer of of him becoming human. Yeah, it's it's him be starting that uh that growth process, that evolution uh, into something that is you know just beyond his programming. And then as a question, I mean, we know that the Vaslovic model robot android, sorry, clearly has emotions. So it's not for it's not like Data who was missing a chip. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's there. It's that they didn't encode the programming. So if his programming can learn and grow, I think we could assume that he will develop emotions. He would, de- yeah, during the course. And I'm sure that would have been Gene's intent, that he would, because to, to do an entire, even if it's just one season of Quester remaining the way he is, would have turned out to be just enormously dull because then you've just got theme and variations week after week after week after week and there would there there would be some intellectual learning of okay I need to behave this way as opposed to this other way kind of thing but that's not what people want to see uh, and as it is a lot of mistakes and a lot of growth that we make as individuals not I mean they, part of that comes from our feelings mm-hmm so to take that away from Quester, then that you're taking away that one aspect of him to uh, grow and evolve and become something new each time. Uh, you know, you turn on the TV channel to actually see what, what Quester is doing. We're, we're not going to see that if he has absolutely zero emotions. We're not going to get any of that. So I, yeah, I'm fairly certain. I mean, I even noticed it during the course of of the movie that... Ooh. As we get yeah. a little bit later on, I mean, there was just some body motion on Quester's part that felt more in line with someone that was being less robotic. And now, I mean, yeah, the argument could be made that this was mimic. Yeah, his his mimic exactly that his programming was mimicking. So, I mean, there there is that possibility. But I I like that there's just enough ambiguity there. To allow the audience to come to their own conclusion, is he just mimicking, you know, being a, a, a you know a, a really uh, f- uh, advanced uh, artificial intelligence that knows how to mimic, or is there actually something happening here, and yes. there's an organic process that's taking place? Let me ask this question then: What is the difference between that is a great question and a perfectly mimicked emotion? I mean, if it's natural, if if he's naturally doing that, and I mean, for the sake of uh, a, a synthetic life form, 
where everything is, you know, like ones and zeros? That is a great question. Maybe there isn't. I mean, maybe except for in the case of uh, case of data, he could pretend he could put on the performance of having an emotion, but he always admitted that he felt nothing. I think one of the things we get out of listening to we'll hit mission log where they talk about data a lot is is it a weakness in the writing or is it something more but data clearly has emotions he wants things yeah i felt that too um i I, i've seen that in the writing and i kind of wish that it had been addressed a little bit it is touched on from time to time uh there would be occasions where data would sort of sell himself short and say, no, I just simply did this and I just did this and I just did this. And Picard would take one look at it and said, um, no, you did more than that. You actually created something here. You did this, 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 this is all original stuff. So what's to say that there isn't some kind of human quality that is there that is, you know, kind of tying this all together. So, yeah, I, I maintain that Data did have emotions. He just, his programming, I, you could, I suppose it could be said that his programming didn't allow him to recognize it. I think that's it. I mean, do, do we recognize it? It's, it's a part of our natural condition. Right. You know? I mean, we, we, we feel, you know, it's, I feel, therefore I am, hmm. if I want to take that approach. Uh, data could feel, but refused to believe that he could feel. You know, maybe Data had 1%, felt emotions at 1% what a human does. It's still enough you have it, but maybe you don't recognize it. It's very possible. I, mean, I, I kind of feel I kind of feel that way with with Quester, that, you know, there's there's emotion showing through there, but they're, they're so subdued that they become, well... Again, it's an artificial life form. What's the difference between real emotion and an artificial emotion? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, there's any difference? I, you know, I, I don't think. We're, yeah, that's we're a, just that's, machines of a for, of a sort. We're just biological, as opposed to synthetic and electronic, or you know, whatever uh, an android would be. But yeah, I mean, this it's just just the building blocks are different. That's all. No, no, you could take it two ways. You could say, all right. Let's let's use a human as an example. Um, something pops up in front of me. I'm scared. That's a automatic reaction, right? I, that's an emotion. I, I mm-hmm. feel it. It happens. Um, I hear a joke. I laugh at it. It's funny. It's it's an emotion. I'm. Uh, I hear a joke. I don't think it's funny. I convincingly laugh at it anyway. To appear whatever i'm a person yeah so one comes from a certain level in the brain and the other is an intellectual one that i am now thinking that i need to laugh and mimic having fun for whatever the situation is so i would argue that that's not an emotional response although maybe the fact that you feel you need to is an emotional response but that's a that's a different kettle of worms uh, right. altogether. But so now when you, you take that into the context of the android, is the android having a reaction that is part of a mimicking program that is not part of his intent in intellectualization routine or is part of his intellectualization, his part of his self-awareness 
saying, I need to mimic this. I need to smile at this. And I, I think there's enough ambiguity there that we could say that, that Vaslovic may have put together, I'm assuming based on his own design. I mean, the design of the aliens who put him together, um, <clears throat> that, that it could truly be a separate subsystem in the brain that is, that is not part of the thinking internalizing monologue that we have going on there. Anyway, but he tells lousy jokes. Yeah. If we do not get there, then that mountain will become a molehill. Yeah. I, it's like, I got it. He said it. It's like, well, oh, it's a joke. And, and, it's a bad joke, but it's a joke. Mm-hmm. And, and Jerry didn't get it at all. He's like, what? It's a joke. Oh, yeah, we got to work on that. Mm. I just want to point out that I doubt very much that there's a playground anywhere in England that has a Noah's Ark. Oh, no, I don't believe that for a no, minute. No, 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 I don't believe that one for a second. Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure they had to fake that one even for a park here. But yeah. I would have been so much happier with that house if the hills of Los Angeles hadn't been in the background. Yeah, I noticed that, too. That kind of took me out of it a little bit. Um, But only, I mean, just in so much that I said, oh, yeah, I know where that was filmed. But I'm just so used to it now. I mean, we've seen it just time and time again, especially with a lot of the 70s programming that you and I have been reviewing where it's just so easy to recognize, oh, yeah, I know where that. That's near Griffith Park. I know the the foliage. Yeah, I yeah, I know that area. Zone. Yeah, I know that area so well. I mean, you you see it time and time and time again. So, uh, although for me, it, it's it's more of a wistful thing. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, they didn't go to England. Uh, they filmed it there. Okay, sure. I mean, it's just it it's it's more amusing than anything else. Why I mean, England? I mean, Spectre. I get it. Right, another another Roddenberry faking faking uh, England. Spectre, I get it because demons and stone henges and stuff like that. You just don't right, that. it, it has a certain medievalism here. to it. It was it actually bore no particular no bearing. Not on in this story. case. It, it it's 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 irrelevant. So, so I I don't know why the why the need to do that unless you know Gene's just got a he just has a thing for England. I want to go to England. Maybe we'll get a trip out of it. No, we're going to shoot it in Los Angeles. Darn it. Ah, nuts. Could have been. Stupid budget. These studio executives don't understand my vision. (laughs) Okay. Um, Do you have any other particular things um, you want to get into before we we hit the real Roddenberry here? Uh, No, not really. So... Mating, mating, mating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who, who, I have to ask, who built Quester's penis? Was it Jerry or was it Quester? Well, Quester was certainly molding the rest of his body. However, we never saw that part of his body. No, we never did. But why would you, well, he was left unfinished. I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting questions here. Uh... For starters, Quester does maintain that he's fully functional, so that must have been programmed into him. But why would you program that into him if he didn't already have his manhood, shall we say? Yes. Um, unless, uh, unless that was planned for at some point later. Okay, then did he have to uh, 
He ha- making himself Design, like he did his ears? Like he did his ears, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I think uh, looking at some pictures, I think uh, I think this one. Okay, uh, uh, no, I don't like that one. Um, uh, that one, okay, that one doesn't look right. That one, oh, no. I'm hung, I'm hung that like one, a yeah. horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, obviously they didn't, uh, they didn't go there, but you do have to wonder. I think you do have to wonder when the people got Vaslovic's design for the Android, and they are marveling over this thing. They're marveling about how the way the eyes were designed and the parts that the Slovak got for them that they couldn't even understand or that were sealed. So, you know, there's a lot there that, that they truly don't understand. I wasn't just, I wasn't picking on them. They actually genuinely are assembling a, a build an Android by, by the numbers mm-hmm. kit. And, you know, the, the, the stomach pump and the, and all of these things, and the one thing that they don't do is they don't use the programming provided because they, they don't trust Voslovic probably because he's a Russian and they want to decode his encrypted, um, uh, his encrypted tape, which I'm sure was encrypted with something so primitive by today's standard that a hacker take that thing down. But anyway, what were they, th- you know, when they're doing this, what were they thinking when they got the diagram for his willy? Yeah, what you know, like, look at really, that? Really, Vaslovic? Really, I have to build. I have to build. I have to that? build these little muscles, and I have to build these little constrictors, and I have to build these little these little pumps to skirt stuff out. And you know, it's like really. It's like you know, maybe we could cut little corners on this project and leave that bit off. What do you think? I I I just you really. You know, it, it raises that question as to what the team was thinking about. Because, yeah, okay, all the other stuff, the heart rate and, and the heart and the, the, the eyes and the stuff, it's like, well, you know, he's going to pass for human. Mm-hmm. And he's going to pass for human in a steam room, too, apparently, in the showers, at the locker room. I, I they, they must have, that would have raised alarm bells with me. It, it would have. It's like, hmm, they don't put genitalia on Barbie dolls. Because it's not necessary. Well, we're not out. Well, th- this is this is a bar. Th- this is an adult Ken doll. Uh huh. A Ken doll for adults. So we well, they can don't put now on Ken go- dolls either. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. but that means means that you know, well, we we don't want to do it on the toys because that's for children. But now we're adults. Now we we can we can deal with this kind of stuff. So let's make him anatomically correct, just so we can have that line. I am fully functional. So then I like that line so much, I'm going to use it again in Next Generation. Unless there was a reason for him to be able to, you know, for him to be fully functional, which was maybe possibly to be explored at a later time. Okay. That, that carries one, one step further. Then, Quester, with his lack of emotion, suggests that Jerry... Let's just say woo. Woo, Lady Helena. So that he can ferret the information out of her. Ferret might be the wrong word. (laughs) Get the information out of her. So, from a moral standpoint, because Quester has no moral compass, that's an acceptable means of getting information. Now, if that were true for what he should have been as a finished android, 
then I can understand why they would have done that. But all the indication are that that Vaslovic, and presumably all of those people before him, were fine, fine, upstanding individuals that would not use sex as a weapon against someone. Well, this was the 70s. Admittedly, I didn't see who the producer was on this. Um, it wasn't Weinstein or anything, right? I, mean, I didn't catch it. Yeah. So I'm sure it's Roddenberry. But, yeah, it's just, I mean, you don't... This is the problem. Roddenberry has this idea about, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a good idea. What are the implications of an android having sex with a human being? What is that? What, what, what is your, what kind of act is that? Is that mm -hmm. unfaithfulness? If, if a married person had sex with an android, is that unfaithfulness? Hmm. Or is that bringing home a sex toy? A very, very sophisticated expensive, one. sophisticated sex toy. But yeah, and that's a good question. And does it make a difference if you know or not? You know, it's... it's it, wow. It, so you bring a up, lot of questions. That, that's really just... just you're, you're, a lot just springs out in this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of, lot of moral issues just coming out of the woodwork on that. And so, and I'm sure that's why Roddenberry throws that in there because he wants to he wants to put those ideas in in there. Yeah, he wants to, he, yeah he wants the people to think about him. He may not necessarily but he didn't think them through because then you would start wondering what the scientists would be doing and what you know how, you know how fully functional if his mm -hmm. if his eyes tear up where does he get the teary material? Let's mm -hmm. let's use that right. Do they do they have to fill him up in the reservoir somewhere? Or does his body somehow extract, you know, uh, water out of the air and, and create tears to keep his eyes moist? And where does he produce the fully functional material? And what is that fully functional material? It's obviously not fully functional. Hmm. Hmm? Uh, I, I, wow. I don't know. I don't know. It's like. Making it, it, it's uh, it's it's making my brain hurt. If if Quester were on HBO, we would have a problem. Um, but uh, anyway, it, it's just it's like I do feel like that there is there is a a a vast area to explore there, and my guess is that there are probably novels that have gone there, and it just doesn't happen to be the genre that I that I pick up. But it, it, it's, it's such a deep subject that it deserves all its own, right? I mean, we could just – if a writer really wanted to explore that, they could spend a lot of time mm -hmm. uh, on the whole subject. And, and here it's kind of treated as a joke. You know, it was treated like a joke in Star Trek The right. Next Generation, right? Too. You know, they're drunk and like, I am fully functioned. And blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it's treated like a joke, but it, it's not. You know, it isn't. It isn't. It's, a, it's a very important part of the human condition mm -hmm. of what makes us human. And here is our android being human. And, <sighs> and on 1970s television, which, you know, is not. Th these are the kinds of things that kind of got Roddenberry in trouble. Mm-hmm. With the sensors and with the, it's like right. well, you can't, you can't, you can't. No, you know, I'm going to tease it. It's like he's not in there. He's not in there with you, is he? 
you know, Jerry Robinson. Of course, no, it never happened. No, it didn't anything, but it could have. Anyway, uh, and that's all I got on that disquieting note. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't have anything else. I don't think I have anything else either. Um, I did think that the guy next to Vaslovic looked an awful lot like, like Einstein, but obviously if they last 200 years each, it's not Einstein uh, over there. Right. So That's interesting. Uh, now, granted, when I watched it, uh, both times I watched it on my iPhone. So oh, the screen yeah, was small. It's hard to tell. It's hard so to tell. I, I was I looking at that. To be honest, I actually thought it was just models of, you know, of uh, Martin Balsam. Not Martin Balsam, but, um, um, uh, oh, shoot. Um, you can't ah, think of his name now. I can't uh, either. E.G. E. Marshall. E.G. Marshall. There we go. E.G. Marshall. I thought they were all E.G. Marshall. So, like, this was like Vlasovic after Vlasovic after Vlasovic, you know, just changing names. You know, he's, you know. Uh, he, I don't think the resolution is good enough to even determine that. No, but but that that's what I came to. That yeah. that's what I assumed, and then I kind of uh, played with the idea that well, um, had Vlasovic actually been there to finish uh, working on Quester, then you know, Quester probably would maybe he would have looked just like him, but because Quester was left to his own devices, he created you know his own his own look. Yeah, well, I could I, be I could be way the heck wrong. Yeah, I, I don't think that the resolution is there to tell, even on a big screen. So I, I like I, I, did, I couldn't tell. I looked at it and I'm like, it's you don't get a long enough shot of it, and I could have paused it. But no, but even you know. uh, on on the tiny screen, all I saw is somebody that looked sort of similar to E.G. Marshall, the first doctor too. You know, yeah. sort of check pants and a you know it. I, I I that is a that is a picture I would really have loved to have seen in high def and studied. Because I, I I want to see what those androids were wearing more mm. more so than what they looked like, but what they were wearing. Mm-hmm. Going back through back through the thing, but the only one you can really see is the one next to Voslovic, and like I say, he's in fairly generic clothing. It, it, it literally could be the first Doctor's clothes. You know, mm. it's this kind of maybe Edwardian, but if it's two hundred years, then he should have been from the seventeen. Hundreds. Oh, yeah, there's one I do want to mention. The reason that Vaslovic could not build Quester himself is because the new radiations that have been developed on Earth during his 200-year span caused his I don't know, brain pan to leak or something um, and, and caused his motor systems to break down. Right. I, 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 I kind of feel like the aliens should have should known have considered about that? the radiations that could have come about. Because I I seriously doubt that mankind actually invented totally new radiation that the aliens who clearly were able to build androids far in excess of our modern technology. Unless it's an indictment against nuclear power. Oh, I'm sure it was an indictment against nuclear weapons, probably. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. It could have been, you know, if they were doing it today, it would be pollution. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, there's so much CO2 in the air that I. My brain pan leaked, and right, you know. yeah, it, it yeah, it would have been about the environment, global warming, whatever. But I feel like I feel like the aliens should have been able to compensate for that one. I just, I, I, oh, sorry. And and where are those aliens? That is, that's a good question. Obviously, they're not around anymore. Otherwise, they would have been able to compensate for the the growing specific type of radiation that was incapacitating Vlasovic. 
But no. So I don't know. That's a, you know, where did they go? Uh, unless, unless now we're looking at what are little girls made of. Okay. And then, and then, so here, here's a good one. Okay. To, to take a look at this premise. I, I really do find Quester tapes fascinating to, to pick apart. This is one of the more fascinating ones. I, it's not the greatest show I've ever watched, but it's, it's fascinating to pick apart. Here's another one. Voslovic has a room that has this computer equipment that's feeding an electronic surveillance from all over the planet. And he's using it to, you know, influence things. Do this, do that, do the other thing. Let's get this guy, make sure he gets a scholarship. So he goes to university, so he's going to invent a rice substitute that can be used, prevent a famine, you know, 60 years from now in another part of the world. So all all cool computery stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It all relies on information. What exact and communication? What exactly was the android a thousand years ago doing? Hmm. Right. I mean, this is this is one of those this is one of those things that w- was on my kind of on my uh, 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 path towards you know being non-religious. It's like, well, wait a minute. If if we have to spread the word. 2,000 years ago for people to go to heaven and all the people in the Americas could not have heard the word because they didn't hear the word because there's no way it could have gotten there then then eh, right it it's, mm-hmm. it's unfair and, and and that's the word I'll use for it but here's the same thing a thousand years ago that Android could not have been influencing things in Africa and North America and, and you know even in in France and Italy would have been vastly more difficult to do in that period of time. You know, he could not have gotten, you know, even if he could have had the surveillance equipment that, you know, I guess he could have built himself and somehow is surveilling all these things all over the planet. You know, there's no way he could do it. So what what were those androids doing? It's only here in the last, the the Vaslovic range, that the world is such that he could... That he could affect things on a global scale, maybe just there to observe. But then, why? You would have thought that the aliens that dropped them off would have already done their due diligence and understood where where the world was at in terms of any kind of observation. So that, yeah, that makes it. That's a really good question. What was it doing? Just wandering around from village to village, helping out, and then moving on before the. Investigative reporter chased him off. Oh, I, I, yeah, or I just know. you know, we're wandering around, you know, and uh, you know, preaching new philosophies. I mean, man, we could pull in a lot of different stories here. Oh yeah, a little bit of Hulk, a little bit of uh, Man of Earth, yeah, things like could, that. He could be the Man from Earth. Yeah, you know, I, I, it, that's another, that's another possible. That's one of the reasons I wanted to be able to see more of those figures. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I, you know, if the original painting exists, I would love to look at it. Is is you know ten back a guy in a robe with a beard that looks like a classic European Jesus motif? Hmm. You, you know, is that who the android was? Are these people important people that we would know in the history of mankind? It was certainly the great thing. Really, Gal- is Galileo there is is the big thinkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you as know, you said, you thought you saw Einstein. Yeah, but, you know, it could, well, I suppose it could just be a bad, bad planning on their part, but he should be 200 years older than Vaslovic because they, they span 200 years. So, 
he should be 1770s uh, era garb, which would be, you know, closer to, be closer to Newton, wouldn't it? Could have been. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't stop it and go back and look, so I'm I'm going to say claiming, you know, I caught it and I'm like, head, white hair, uh, no, gone, um, kind of thing. So I don't know, but I, I would be fascinated because there's, there's a, there's a whole thing of Easter eggs right there that you could have played with mm-hmm. when you were when you were painting that. I could see Gene Roddenberry sitting there going, and then um, let's see, you know, right? There's Jesus, there's Newton, there's Galileo, there's uh, the guy who invented fire, Og, and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Anyway, well, if he's if he's especially if he's borrowing from the idea of. Of Man from Earth, I mean, as as we saw, used in Requiem for Methuselah, it's very possible. You know, maybe that is something that also would have been revisited in later episodes had the series been, you know, had it gone into production. Maybe we would have seen some earlier models to kind of put our own history into a new type of perspective. They could have done flashback episodes where Robert Foxworth was playing a different character yeah and actually could have given them a little more get them more room anyway and then he could have played with an emotion it's kind of a, kind of a highlander thing mm. uh anyway all right well i'm not 100 percent sure what we're going to do next whether we're going to carry on with another gene roddenberry pilot or whether we're going to move on to another series but uh this concludes our review of the quester tapes um ben Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. And listeners, I do hope you will join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol, or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. <laughs>